Father, we thank you for the victory in our lives. For you have won it. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Can you give God a shout of praise this morning? Come on. All around this room, if you're watching online, if you're watching online, I can't hear you clap. So put a clapping emoji in the comment box. I'm going to go check after service. How many put a clapping emoji uh, after, uh, after while you were watching? Uh, but God is good and God is faithful. It's awesome to be in the house of the Lord because we serve a good God. And we serve a faithful God. Who holds us in the darkest of the darks. I have a pastor friend of mine, uh, Pastor Robert. He's the lead pastor at Cutler Bay Worship Center. And he was just in a very hard fight with COVID and in the hospital. And the Lord brought him out of it, thank, thanks, to, thanks to the Lord, <laughs> as we prayed and interceded, and, and, and he was able to make it through. But I was watching something he was sharing the other day, and he said, you know what we need more than anything when you're facing anything if you're facing COVID or whatever you might be facing is hope. Because when you lose hope, you quit. When you lose hope, you surrender. When you lose hope, you let go. And we need to be hope givers. Come on, say this morning, hope giver. We need to be hope givers. We're really good at being bubble bursters. You know what I'm talking about, right? You know what a bubble burster is? Oh, I've got this great idea. That's not going to work. Yeah, can I finish at least? Like, let me, you know. But we need to be hope givers, not bubble bursters. And I encourage you. That's not part of the preaching. That's another one, right? But I encourage you, whoever you encounter that needs hope, give them hope. Give them hope. And how do we give them hope? We remind them that they are loved and taken care of and that there is a God who knows their name. And the Bible says knows every hair on their head. I know that in my household, there's a lot of hair. And God knows every single one of them. For those of you who don't know, I am married and she has long hair and I have three daughters and they all have long hair. And there's hair everywhere. All over the place. And I think, man, does God have an abacus just for Patty? Like, she lost one, you know, like, but the Bible says he knows the hairs on your head. And if God knows the hairs on your head, do you not think that he cares enough and knows about everything you're facing? So just trust and hope he's got you. Amen? So this year, 2021, the Lord put in my heart in December as we were getting ready for 2021 that this was going to be for 3W Church the year of re. And it was the first time that for the last several years, God always puts a word in my heart for our church and for the, the people that I have the privilege to pastor 3W Church. But this year I was like, God, that's not a word. Re's not a word. Re's a prefix. Like, it doesn't make much sense, right? And, and what does the prefix re mean? It means to do something again, to, 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 when you put it before in front of any word. Like last week, we talked about restart. It is to start anew. Uh, uh, it, it remember is to bring back to the recollection, is to do something again. And I felt from God this was going to be the year of re. For the first two months, we talked about all the things that God wanted to do anew. And, and over the last few weeks, we've been talking about some of these things again, how we're supposed to revisit what God has done. 
how he wants to restart. And I, and I was this week meditating on something that happened to me several years, well, more than several, several is a few, but probably about 18, 19 years ago, I was in my early 20s and I was a youth leader at, at Alpha and Omega Church. I was not a pastor yet. I was just one of the volunteers, one of the youth leaders, and we were at a retreat, and I was given the task of the bonfire. And um, it was my responsibility to light the fire. It was my responsibility to get the wood, and it was my responsibility to speak. It was good. I was excited. But you know what happened? It rained all day long. Literally rained all day long, and when it stopped raining, it got cold. There was a cold front that was coming through. And how many of you know that wet wood, no lighty too good? <laughs> and so I said, I got to figure out how I'm going to light this fire. And so I drove to the nearest establishment, which if you've ever gone to a retreat, you know retreats are like in the boondocks, right? The nearest establishment is usually like a Walmart an hour away. But this happened to, the, there was a, a gas station nearby. And I said, I'm, I'm going to go, I'm going to find something. I get to the gas station and I'm trying to find something that will help me light the fire. Guess what? The gas station did not sell charcoal. So I thought, man, if I start char get dry charcoal, light it, it'll eventually catch on the wood. Nope. They didn't sell lighter fluid. I thought if I buy a few cigarette lighters and I bust them open, you know, may maybe I can pour some of that on it. I thought about buying one of the little red gallons and like a gallon of gas. And I was like, that probably doesn't sound very good either. And then I had a MacGyver moment. Y'all know who MacGyver is, right? I was walking and I found in the, in the emergency section, I found that they sold flares. And I said, man, I've seen police officers light a flare in the rain, and it's still lit as it's raining. It's on the road lit. This might work. So it's like, boom. I buy the flares. I get back to the camp. I put all the wet wood, and I light two flares, like, and I put it on there, and guess what? The fire lit. It dried up the wood. It lit. It, to me, it was like an Elijah moment where the fire came from heaven. It was just that good, you know? And I was motivated because the fire was on. So all of the youth come out, and everybody sits. It was actually th this youth retreat place had the fire down at the bottom, and it had like an uh, amphitheater type thing all the way up. So I was really close to the fire. Nobody else was. And you know what happened on this cold night as I was close to the fire? It lit a fire, and I just kept preaching. You give a you know somebody a microphone, they're going to keep talking, right? So I'm there talking and talking. At that point, I wasn't dating Patty. We were just friends, and I remember her telling me afterwards, I hated you that night. <laughs> and I'm like, what? what are you talking about? I was like pouring out my guts. It, 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 it was a, it was a, I'm going to be transparent. I had just lost my cousin about six months before. She died in a motorcycle accident. I was blaming God for it, and I had spent the last about six months in a fight with God because he took my cousin. That's how I viewed it, and that night I was healing as I was speaking. So I was by the fire and being reignited, and I was healing, but nobody else was experiencing it. She told me after, I hated you. You just kept talking and talking. We were freezing and all this different stuff, and I was reminded of that story this week because it's a depiction of a lot of the way we live our Christianity. We're living in a time where the wood is very, very wet. We're living in a time where the wood is so wet it can't light. And we're living in a time where some Christians have 
been able to light a fire, but it's so close to where they are that it's not warming up anybody else. And we're so lost in our own fire and feeling comfortable in our own process that we forget that while we're by the fire, there's a heck of a whole lot of people who are cold, wet, hurting, and broken. And that's even talking about the Christians that have a fire. Let's not even get to the Christians that their fire is so out that they're the ones that Jesus talked about in Revelation chapter 2 when he talked to the church at Ephesus and says, you have lost your first love. You're reaching people by doing good works. You're doing all these different things, but you lost your first love. What am I talking about the first love? It's when we came to Christ and we realized that we were headed for hell. And now, because we realize that God has saved us through Jesus and we're no longer getting going to hell, we tell everybody that we know that's on their way to hell, there's a way to heaven. But somewhere along the line, we lose it. We forget. And the Lord stirred in my heart today to talk about reignite. Say this morning, reignite. See, to reignite means to light on fire again. Making something flare up. And as we, we get into this message today, today if, if you didn't realize or you didn't know, today we celebrate 10 years as a church. A decade. That's awesome. Yes, praise God. It's a milestone, right? Like we have to say this many. We're doing double digits, right? When my daughter turned 10, I was like, honey, you're turning double digits. Not until you go to three digits, and that's a long ways away. Are we, you know, like we're going double digits. That's a blessing. That is awesome. But can I ask you a question? Where are we going next? And I've been being convicted about my personal walk with God and, and what am I doing for God other than preaching, right? And, and I'm reminded of these three verses, and I want to, they're going to come up right behind me. You don't even look them up. But Matthew chapter 28, we know the Great Commission, and it says this, Go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Then it says in verse number 20, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Mark chapter 16, we also see the Great Commission where Jesus said to the disciples again, he says, and he said to them, go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will lay hands on the sick. They will take up serpents. They will drink anything deadly. By no means it will hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. And then in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus also said to the disciples, this power is going to come upon you and you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and to all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. We are called to go and make disciples. But can I tell you what evangelism has become in the American church? And I, I got to give credit. I heard this from, from Maxwell, from, from Pastor Maxwell. He said, we have dumbed down evangelism in the church to invite people to church and let the church get them saved. And this is what I wrote down this morning, and I want you to jot this down. We are called to be soul winners, not church promoters. We are called to be soul winners, not church promoters. 
Oh, that sounds weird for you to say it. Pastor, you always tell us to invite people. Yeah, invite people. But that's not enough. The Great Commission isn't go invite people to church. The Great Commission is go find the lost people and tell them there's a way to heaven and lead them there. Because the reality is that more than 53% of people will never step foot into a building of a church. But you are the church that they encounter. I am the church that they encounter. It is us. And today, I want to pray, and we're going to talk about reigniting our passion to reach the lost. See, I, I was on a sabbatical this summer. Our church had planned it for a year long. We were planning the time that I was going to go on this sabbatical. And I know it was a God thing. I was so refreshed and renewed. I'm actually, I haven't shared this from the pulpit. Only my wife and my pastor know this. Um, and I think I might have shared it with one more person. But when I announced that I was going to go on a sabbatical, one of our sisters from the church said after me, after service, I need to talk to you for a second. And she, she reminded me of a vision that God had given her about five and a half years ago when we were in the process of moving to this building. God had showed her a vision of this big tree that was beautiful and it had all these branches and everything was green and everything was awesome, but the roots were drying. She said, Pastor, do you remember that? And I said, Vaguely, somewhat, you know, but thank you for reminding me. She said, no, 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 I got to tell you something. When you announced that you were taking a sabbatical this summer to disconnect, to refresh, to fill yourself, the Lord brought me that vision, and I saw roots that were healed. And I looked at her and I said, that is a confirmation after a year of planning for this sabbatical that it was time. And can I tell you this sabbatical, we, we took some time off from well, I took six weeks off. I did nothing, and my, our leadership was amazing, phenomenal. I never had to get a phone call from anything dealing with, with this didn't work at church. We missed this. We that. You guys did an amazing job. People, you get amazing. Can't speak enough about how proud I am of our church and our team. But I got to tell you something that happened to me and was reawakened in me during my sabbatical. During our time in our road trip, we did a 4,100-mile world trip. We step, stay, we, I say we Marriotted across the country. Because somebody's like, did you rent an RV? I was like, no, that ain't my lifestyle. We Marriotted across the country. Free breakfast. Let's go there. It's included. Every place that we were, I was looking op constantly for opportunities to pray for people. Because that's what I do as a Christian. And we drove into a specific city. And we checked into the hotel. We got our key, we went upstairs, and when we got out of the elevator, there was a gentleman that was an employee of the hotel that was sitting there, and he looked like something was off. He was kind of almost arguing with another employee. They were there, whatever, and, you know, we said hello. We kept walking. We got to the room. We changed. We said, let's go get some, something to eat, and we're going to walk to this place and do all these things, and, and as we walk out of the room, we get back to the elevator, and this guy is just sitting there. And I felt an urge of the Holy Spirit to talk to him. And I, I looked at him and I said, hey, you know, can I tell you, Jesus loves you. And he gave me this cold, hard stare. And you can ask my wife. And as he just stared at me, I said, may I pray for you? And he looked at me and he said, are you a pastor? And I said, as a matter of fact, 
I am. And he knew why he was asking that. And he grabbed my hand and pulled me in. And he begins to, I mean, grab my hand harder than I can remember being. He just, and he begins to hard face softens and he begins to talk. My wife instantly realized this is a Holy Spirit moment. She got in the elevator with the girls and went downstairs. And this man begins to talk to me of how he had murdered somebody two days before. That's why he asked, are you a pastor? He knows, right? I didn't say in Spanish service, but I felt to release it. And he begins to describe it was a mirror then. They put a gun to the back of my head and they said, you shoot or I shoot you. And the only thing I can feel in that moment that I felt, I didn't think about anything. I thought if this man dies today, he's going to hell. He doesn't know Jesus. I had left my phone in the room about 10 or 15 minutes later. Patty says, Abigail downstairs said, something's wrong. Something's wrong. And they started praying for me downstairs and jumped in the elevator and went back upstairs and saw me still praying for this guy weeping on my shoulder. And they just went to the room. I'm a wise man. I did not tell her the story until two days later when we weren't in that city. <laughs> I wanted her to sleep that night. And I began to talk to him about Jesus. How even in the horrible thing he had just done, even though what had just happened, even though the different thing, there was a God that loved him enough to send his son to take the place for him. And I began to talk over him. And I began to speak into him. And I got to the point where I asked him, do you want to receive the forgiveness of God right now? And I had the opportunity to leave this lead, this hard man that I probably would have walked away from if it was not for God. To Jesus. And this is the only thing that I kept pumping in my heart after that moment. When's the last time you led somebody to Jesus? Not because they walked into the church building, but because you talked to them on the street. And I ask you the question, when's the last time you led someone to Jesus? Because the Bible didn't say be a church inviter, didn't be a church promoter. The Bible says make disciples. The Bible says tell people about Jesus. The Bible says get people saved. The Bible doesn't say bring them to your pastor, bring them to the building. It puts it on us. The responsibility is us, and I've had this passion and this burden of how do we go. And my prayer is that as 3W Church, as we go into the next step of our ministry, as we go into the place that we're going, that we're able to reignite and then maintain the passion to reach the lost. The passion to reach the lost. Because there's millions of people dying every day that don't know Jesus. Some of them are your co-workers. Some of them are your family members. Some of them are your neighbor. And we spend so much time fighting about what divides us instead of finding something that we can build upon. It is the spirit of division that has come across this world. Let's just look at it in the United States over the course of the last two years. The big first division 
Who are you voting for? If you're voting for Trump or you're voting for Biden, and we can't have a conversation. If you vote for Trump, you hate this. And if you vote for Biden, you hate that. And it, it, it was this thing. There was nothing of conversation. It was just division among who you were voting for. The election comes and goes. COVID starts destroying. Then the division comes. Should we lock down? Should we not lock down? How do we face this? And if you believe this, then you don't care about that. And if you do this, and it was just the continued division. Some things are like mask, no masks. Things start to, we see the things start to change a little bit. And all of a sudden we see the heinous crime of Derek Chauvin murdering George Floyd. And what happened? Racial tension. There was no middle. There was no conversation. You're either for police or against police. You're either for this race or against it. It was just this huge division. Racial divide starts going down back to the mass thing. Then the vaccine comes out. You're either back for vaccine, against vaccine. No conversation. Nothing. It is a spirit of division that continues to divide us. And all that we continue to do is hang out with like-minded people. And you know what's happening in the body of Christ? We're not reaching the lost. Got really quiet, but that's okay. We're not reaching the lost. We're not reaching the people that every day are going to hell. We're only hanging out with the people we like. We're only hanging out with the people that we think alike. We're only hanging out with, with, with the people that are the same of us. And that's wrong. We need to reignite our passion to reach the lost. I want to read to you 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. We're going to read verses 19 through 23. And then we're going to talk briefly about it. I have a few points I want to share. 1 Corinthians 9, 19 through 23. This is the Apostle Paul writing, and this is what he said, verse 19. For though I am a free from all men, I've made myself a servant to all that I might win the more. To the Jews, I become as a Jew that I might win Jews. To those who are under the law, as under the law, that I might win those who are under the law. To those who are without law, as without law, but not being without law toward God, but under law toward Christ, that I might win who are without law. To the weak I become as weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. Now this I do for the gospel's sake, that I may be a partaker of it with you. Can I break it down? Paul said this, I do whatever it takes to tell people about Jesus so that some of them might be saved. He was clear, not everybody's gonna accept it. It's free will, it's a choice. But he said, to the weak, I become weak. To the Jew, I become Jew. To the Gentile, I become Gentile. As long as I'm not breaking what God says to do, right? So these are the points I want you to write down this morning. Number one, we need to be intentional in looking for the lost intentional in looking for the law. Say it this morning, intentional in looking for the lost. One more time. Come on, say it. We need to be intentional. Intentional. We have a few people that come to our church that own businesses in this shopping center. And you know, none of them visited our church because there was a church here and because they decided, oh, let me go check out the church. 
They visited the church because whenever I had encounters with them downstairs in the parking lot and we met, I always just tried to show them Jesus and talk to them until the point where they decided, I want to see what is that, what that is. And they came to Christ. Matter of fact, I prayed with all of them before they had even visited the church. And we have stopped being intentional. You know what a lot of us Christians do? We find one little thing that we disagree with somebody and we give it 100%. Oh, you like heels? Oh, no, no. I don't like stilettos. I like platforms. We can't talk. It's dumb. Dumb. We find one little thing that we don't agree with and we give it 100% of our effort. Instead of finding one little thing that we might agree on and give that 100% of our effort so that they can come to Christ. So number one, be intentional in looking for lost. Number two, be intentional in finding common ground with the lost. Be intentional in finding common ground with the lost. What connects us? There are so many people that have asked me this question. Pastor, are we going to open a, church, a, a school? Is our church going to open a school? And I always been like, I, I, I don't know, maybe in the future. I don't know. what is. No, because we have so many teachers that come to our church. Why do we have so many teachers that come to our church? Can I tell you why? I'm going to tell you right now why. That's what my degree is in. And I was a teacher. And so was my wife. And she's a school administrator. She's the principal at a school. And so what happens? In our world, we rubbed a lot of elbows with a lot of teachers. So when we talked to them about Jesus and they started going to a church, they came here. It is, you know, everybody has heard this. Oh, we're called to be fishers of men. Anybody heard that before? Yeah, that's a lie. Pastor, how dare you say that? Let me break it down. I'm not making theology. Let me just break this down for you. Jesus only told Peter and his brother, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. He didn't say it to any of the other disciples. Why did he tell them that? Because they were fishermen. They knew what it meant to fish and get the fish. He didn't tell Matthew a chapter later, come and now I'm going to make you a fisher of men. He said, Matthew, follow me. Tonight I need to dine with you. And you know who was at the dinner? Other tax collectors and other people of the place that Matthew revolved in. What does that teach us when we're thinking about evangelism? Is that God is going to use you in what he gifted you. You're an attorney, guess what? You're going to bring attorneys. You're in construction, you're going to deal with construction workers and they're going to come to Christ. You deal in a school, you're going to deal with other teachers. You work at public, you're going to get people saved that work in the grocery things. Why? Because he will use you in the place that he equipped you to be. So how do we do it? We begin to look for the lost. And we begin to be intentional in finding a common ground. And it leads me to number three. We need to be intentional in building a bridge on that common ground that will let us bring them to Jesus. Building a bridge. I met a young man this morning, he's here for the first time today, and I asked him, he walked in, he's sitting back there with a cast, I said, hey, what happened to your foot? He's like, no, I broke it, I got it messed up. How? No, I was skating. Oh, was it roller skating or was it skateboarding? I, I asked questions. I was being very intentional, right or not, Lester? I was being intentional to you in my conversation. 
He's like, no, I was roller skating. I was like, where were you roller skating? Because no, we were at, at Thunder. It was like, oh, did you go? Oh, man, it's, it's her fault. She went with my wife skating and the girls, and my wife fell and messed up her shoulder. It is totally her fault. He started laughing. She started laughing. I'm joking, obviously, but I'm being intentional, building a bridge to somebody I just met, finding a commonality that I can talk to him about. And if I see him next week or a year from now, I'm going to ask him about skating. Why? Because we build something. We need to be intentional. What can I build? What can I find that I have in common with you? And build a bridge. Because if you don't get to Jesus, you're going to hell. And it's going to be my responsibility. Because I had the opportunity to build a bridge and I ignored it. Pastor, I thought this is an anniversary service. Yes, it is. And the biggest thing that we can celebrate is that we are soul winners. And that we're using the opportunity at the gym and at the grocery store and at the teacher's place or wherever you go to build bridges with lost people, to identify them and lighten them up so that they can come to Christ. What do we use with a flashlight? We don't go around walking with a bright LED flashlight during the day. We use a flashlight when the power's out. And the lights don't turn on because we don't use it at home when the lot power's working. What did Jesus say? You're the salt. You are the light. And you don't turn on a light and stick it under a bed. You turn on a light and you put it so that it lights everybody. But the problem with the majority of us Christians today is that we only hang around with other Christians. And it's normal. It's normal. It happens because we got out of a lifestyle, whatever that lifestyle was, and we're no, we're, right now we're not associating with those people because we don't want to fall trapped into that that I used to have. But it doesn't mean that you stop building bridges to people that don't know Jesus to get them to Jesus, not to a church. Do you want, we want you to invite people to church? Obviously, yes, tell people what God is doing. But bring them after you have already got them saved where they get here to be discipled and mentored because you already told them there's another way and his name is Jesus Christ. Church, we need to be intentional in building a bridge. What does that mean? We need to learn how to have conversation with people. You know that that is a skill we should practice, have conversation. Parents, teach your children how to have conversation and not just be on a device. Intentional. We've had folks over at our house that don't speak English, and what do we talk with our girls before they get here? Hey, remember this person that's coming does not speak English, so don't talk to each other in English because that is rude. Talk to that person in Spanish. We are educating them to know how to talk to people and treat people and deal with people. It is my responsibility as a parent, and guess what? My responsibility as your pastor, I'm talking to you if you are a part of 3W Church, it's my responsibility as your pastor to ensure that the flame that the Holy Spirit is re-stirring inside of me for the lost is stirred in you because we do nothing if we don't lead people to Jesus. We do nothing if we don't pluck people out from the hands of the enemy. Pastor, I don't know how to lead someone to Jesus. It's not about what you say, it's about what you do. It's about, I love the way James Maxwell said it, he says you need to add value 
And how do you add value? You help. I've got a new neighbor for the last year. I've got a neighbor, new neighbor. Now I've started to build a relationship with my neighbor little by little, and we exchange phone numbers. And, you know, when we had the lightning strike a few weeks ago, I texted him, hey, you know, this happened. Your palm trees, it was on your side. Check your thing. You know, we, we back and forth. And he texted me the other day. He was like, David, do you have internet? My AT&T went out. Xfinity was doing work there. They messed up my lawn, and now I don't have internet or this, that, or the other. I texted him the next morning because I was already sleeping when he texted me. I texted him to say, hey, man, I have internet because I have Xfinity. Um, and it's, you know, where he's like, all right, well, have a great day. So yesterday, I, 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 I'm, pulling, I'm, I'm in my driveway, and him and his wife are walking out. And I started talking to him. And I was like, hey, how are you doing? And this, that, or the other. And we started talking about our grass because Comcast messed up the grass. And I asked him, are you okay? I saw him talking to somebody yesterday. He's like, yeah, we're good, this, that, or the other. And we are talking back and forth. And he says, can you believe now the internet is so important. We work from home. We do this. We stream all these different things. AT&T can't come out here until next Saturday, August. I'm sorry, September, whatever next Saturday is. Whatever the next Saturday. Or he actually might have said September 10th. I don't remember. He just, it was far away. And I looked at him and I said, hey, do you see my guest Wi-Fi at your house? It's called this guest. And they pulled it. I was like, yeah, I see it. I said, let me give you my password to my guest. Wi-Fi, so that you guys can do your work and what you need to do until they fix your internet. I didn't invite him to church. I didn't do anything but show him love as a neighbor. Why? Because I'm building bridges. I'm, uh, every time that I have a conversation with him, I need to add value as a Christian, not as a pastor, as a Christian. I need to add value to that relationship because every time that I add value to the relationship, it's another ring on the bridge, and it's another ring on the bridge, and it's another bring, ridge, uh, bridge, a little ring on the bridge to get him over from one side into the side where he's a follower of Jesus. Guys, that's what evangelism is. We're building bridges with lost people. Because they're going to hell. And we know the way to avoid it. So I challenge you, worship team, if you can come up here and start doing the hallelujah on the piano really quick, get up here. My challenge to you, we need to reignite our first love. And not just reignite our first love. Once we reignite it, we need to keep that sucker on fire. We need to add wood every day. How do we add wood to our fire? We pray, we worship, we read the Bible. We need to reignite that first love. And I'm going to ask everybody to stand to their feet this morning, and we're going to do something just a tad bit different. If we can turn the house lights off and dim the camera ones just a tad. Don't turn them off, just dim them just a tad. We're going to begin to worship here in a minute. I'm going to open this altar. And if you say, I need my fire reignited, my passion for lost people, my passion to get people saved, if I need that reignited in my life, I want you to leave your seat and come up to the altar. If you're online, I want you to put a hand up emoji in the comment box. Because there's lost people out there. 
we're the way to lead them to Jesus. So the altar is open. If you today want to be reignited, just make your way to the altar and put your hands up and begin to worship him. And as we worship, I'm going to begin to pray over you and over the group that's here and those that are online. The altar is open. 